0: Well, hello, LinkedIn community, Facebook community, YouTube channel community, all the communities, the New Grace space. This is actually my very first time uh, coming to you, and I am over the moon excited. I'm gonna slow down a little bit before I introduce the phenomenal person that you see there, which is Miss Mia Embro and just tell you a little, about, a little bit about who I am and what I do. So uh, my name is Joy Bell, and I am the Chief Executive Officer. And listen, all that means is that if it goes right, it's, it's my responsibility. And if it goes wrong, it's my responsibility. So I am the Chief Executive Officer of Grace Space Educational Consulting Company. And you're probably wondering, well, what is that? Well, I will tell you what we do. Our specialization is working with children, and with families and parents and organizations as it relates to students with learning differences. So anything that you want to know about learning differences and all sorts of supports, whether it's executive functioning coaching or academic coaching or college success coaching, because when those kiddos that have learning difference from the very beginning, go to college, the research tells us that 33% of them do not finish because those skill sets that they were challenged in early on, they're still challenged with as they go to college. And so Gray Space will support that bridge. I also work with organizations and with schools as it relates to professional training and those sorts of wonderful things. So I've been in education for over 25 years. I know I don't look like it and that's okay, but I have been. And so I know a lot about a lot of things in education. And so if there's something that you want to talk about or that you want to bring to your organization or school, please give me a call. And I'd love to, to have a conversation with you about that. And then the last service that Grace Space has is we work with small schools. And I love working with schools as it relates to accreditation. We want to make sure that there's excellence from the very beginning to the very end of all things that have to do with children. So if your school's thinking about, should we be accredited or not? Do we wanna start this process? Um, Please give me a call and I'd love to sit down with you. I've served as an accreditation commissioner for over four years. So this is something that I'm passionate about, supporting you through that process. So that's a little bit about Grace Space and enough about me. And I want to introduce to you Mia Embro, who's a phenomenal human and very, very humble, y'all. Like, let me just, you're gonna see this, but she is a dynamo. So let me tell you a little bit about who she is and what she does. And I don't wanna miss anything. So I'm gonna read, you just wait for it. So Mia Embro is a licensed professional counselor for more than 30 years. Mia Embro facilitates healthy conversations on topics of relational health, mental and emotional wellness, diversity, faith, awareness, and self-improvement. And as a certified parent educator and facilitator, she also works with youth, adults, places of faith, schools, and corporations seeking an open ear for life's most difficult conversations. And y'all know we have a lot of those happening right now. Mia is also the author of A Sticky Story, a children's book created as a tool to evoke life-giving conversations with young audiences navigating emotions and reactions when hard things happen. So Mia Embro, Welcome to Podcast One for Grace Space. I'm so glad to have you here.
1: Well, I'm so honored, Dr. Bell, and I'm so very uh, proud of you and in awe of what you have curated and created through Grace Space, and I am so privileged to be your first guest uh, and just so honored that you are giving access to something so very important in the life of parents and children. It changes the trajectory and it changes the legacy, and I'm always here for it. So thank you for having me.
0: Well, thank you. We're going to get right into it. But just for those of you who may be like me, it's like, what are they talking about again? So here we are. Our topic today is the intersection of learning and belonging, meeting the needs of children. And so this is something that's very important to me. And I thought, whom else to talk to than the phenomenal human who's able to talk about this sense of belonging and why that's important for children and how that intersects with learning. So Mia, if you're ready, can we just jump right on in?
1: I'm born ready. Let's go, Dr. Bell. Yes, we can okay. jump right in. Yes. All
0: right. So you're probably going to notice, you know, me and I are friends. And so it'll probably seem like you've jumped in on a conversation. It's like, what's happening here? Uh, but that's okay. Welcome to the conversation with Mia, Embro, and myself. So, how do you define belonging, Mia?
1: This is a great question. And I will say, first, before I give my definition of it, that belonging is so very personal, right? Because when we bring that word into a space, it's the intersection of a person and their experiences and the effects and the events that have happened kind of carve out what belonging feels like to them. But if we are to condense it down and make it like, what is the bottom objective is that where there is a sense or there is a knowledge that a human being is seen, heard and valued. And when those three things are present, then you feel like you belong. Uh, It can also be interpreted as a sense of knowing and being known, and that knowing is almost like an anchoring. And the anchoring, much like when you throw an anchor over a boat, it's not seen to the physical eye, but you're steady, right? And it keeps you in place. So no matter what's going on around you uh, in the water, the fact that your anchor is cast keeps you stabilized. And so more so than not, belonging, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, a little bit more in our conversation. It is... It has to be curated internally because if, if it is left, like if the boat's just sitting in the water and you throw no anchor, you're gonna to be tossed to and fro. So belonging just means I've, I have a sense that I am seen, I am heard and I am valued. And I believe there is a purpose for my existence.
0: Mia, I think that's so very important. And when I think, cause I'm coming from the lens of an academic person and working with children, And over 25 years, I am, my heart just aches. When I encounter children who have, for long periods of time, not had this sense of belonging that you're talking about, they have not been seen, they have not been heard, um, and it's, been ob- it's obvious in their confidence level and how they're engaging with other humans and how they're engaging with the, the content, whether it's a math lesson or, or language lesson, there's, there's a disconnect, and mm-hmm. it's something that I'm really great about sensing, so I think that's a great definition of belonging.
1: It's and good. How- and I, I'm sorry, Dr. Bell. And no. I was thinking just when you said the word confidence. So the nuance of this, when we talk about it is, uh, I heard you say, when you observe children and they don't, you can tell that that hasn't happened. And we're, we will talk about this a little bit later. I think that how we think that is curated is totally opposite of how it actually is. Um, and again, because we're very dependent upon extor- external affirmation hmm. that we belong, hmm. right? And that is more fitting in. So belonging, I don't really need you to tell me that I belong. It's a Mm -hmm. sense that I have about myself and my ability to contribute, to be present, uh, my right to be there, right, as a child. And I have wonderment and curiosity. Fitting in is that I continue to shave myself down, trying to fit into whatever it is you've created for me that tells me I'm okay. Now, the danger of that is that's ever shifting, right? Depends on if you get up in a good mood today or if the wind blows, where the wind's blowing from, that makes me very, almost get so effective in, it's unpredictable. Well, that's indicative of trauma, right? Mm. So when you see children like that, and I think people always think of trauma as cataclysmic and it's not. It can be just little things over and over where you're on high alert because you really don't know what's about to happen as a child, um, and so that seed is planted, but it, it all, people talk about confidence, and I think they think that it has to do with boasting or lifting up, and more so it has to do with pouring in.
0: Mm. Oh, that's so good. I love what you said. I mean, you know, there's, this is what we're going to do, which so we're people, we're going to have to cut this off at, you know, three hours, because this is what me and I do, um, but when you say shaving off like this fitting in. It's like you're sort of like, let me let me change this about myself. And you think about that as children, as as adults, uh there are folks that have trouble with that. So as children, as they're just trying to fit in, not the belonging piece, and they're just losing parts of themselves. So as you think about that child who when you're in private practice, you would see as a 25 year old, how long they've been shaving off uh, parts of who they were. And surprisingly, they don't know who they are. They
1: wouldn't, they couldn't. They couldn't. And so when they come to me, they're like a splinter, right? Mm -hmm. And when I talk about shaving off, I'm not talking about uh, sans discipline or there's some things, right? There's a reason that there are children and then they have parents. You're guiding them. You are teaching them. And so there's correction. But even our definition of how we use correction as a manipulative tool instead of what it is created for has a lot to do with how we shave them down. So when I'm saying shaving down, I'm talking about there are imperative parts of your identity that were tied to your purpose that have been taken from you in order for someone else to be comfortable. Mm.
0: Oh, my goodness. I, I can't. And I'm going to question number two, because I, there's so much I want to say and ask you there. We'll have another chance later on. In yes. The and I love that. Yes. Um, so the second question that I have for you that I want you to consider is, why is creating this sense of belonging? You've done a phenomenal job of differentiating belonging versus fitting in for for us and for the community. But why is creating this sense of belonging key to the emotional development of children? Why does it matter? Why are we making a big deal about this thing, this sense of belonging?
1: It's the very thing that you spoke of earlier because it is what gives someone or a child confidence or at least the ability. So here's There's not, you know, we use this word a lot about perfectionism, there's no such thing. There are people who only do those things that they do well, and they are called perfectionists, but there's not one person ever that does everything well. But when you're talking about why belonging is important to a child, because it keeps intact their curiosity and wonderment, and they are no longer, um, the authority of them is not fear, right? What if I mess up? What if I don't? Now, can you imagine the reason that's important? Because that's what allows them to thrive. That's what allows them to create resilience, right? And perseverance is, it's okay for me to attempt, and maybe I won't make 100 the first time, but I can get back up and do it again. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like I have a right to do that. Belonging also creates compassion, uh, which I don't think people talk about. When I am So I've been doing what I do for 30 years. And so I have some (laughs) research and I have a, a trail now that a dog can go hunting on and take you back to the beginning is what I have learned is when we feel well with ourselves internally, and we feel like we have been given room to be seen, heard and valued. And the longer a person has felt that, the more generous they are, in their compassion and empathy towards other human beings and allowing them to have space. And so for children, can you imagine that becomes a psychologically and emotionally safe space for them to grow and thrive? And that means they really are given the ability to find, what do I do well? What are my deficits? What are my opportunities for growth? Am I a good friend? Am I funny? Am I like, what is that? And if they're not so busy trying to stay on the agenda of whatever's been given to them, it allows them to flourish because they are well.
0: It just takes that off the table for them. Like we're not even talking about that. Now we're talking about all the other pieces of the puzzle of who I am.
1: Yes. Yes. But But what's interesting about that puzzle is if you can attend to that, it's a, it's a domino effect, right? If you are if you can focus in on that, like creating sense of a belonging and your child knowing their value and their worthiness, it has all of these ripple effects. It's like a I think there's a quote by Arthur Chan that says, "Long after a stone has been cast into the water and you no longer see that, the ripple effects are still there." Mm-hmm. So it's like if that has been curated and given and given space to develop in a child. You will see that the rest of their life because you can you can almost smell it and taste it by how they interact with other people. Right. I can easily make room for Dr. Bell because I'm I'm good. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when I'm well, if I'm not, it's just like a physical element. If I'm sneezing and blowing my nose everywhere, you don't want to be up against me. Right, Dr. Bell
0: at all, because I'm a little bit of a germ
1: Okay. So but yes. if, I, if I've been doing my best and washing my hands, and you can see me going through the steps that, mean, that say I care about not only my wellness, but yours, we move differently together in a space.
0: I love it. I love it. So what signs, and could be, you, as you said, you've been doing this for so long, uh, Mia, from an, on a different side with the emotional and wellness and health and all those different things. But as a parent, because I'm I'm sure there are parents that are listening here and thinking, does my child have a sense of belonging? How do I know, like, what are some signs that um, would be very evident to me as a parent that my child does not have a strong sense of of belonging and how I can support them? So from your perspective, from, from your side of things, what should they be looking for as a
1: parent? Okay, I'll tell you some of the things, knowing that nothing is ever all or none, right? There are nuances, there are exceptions and to delineate between self-esteem and self-concept. So concept are the blocks, the building blocks we have internally of how we think of ourselves, how we think of our competencies or our sense of worthiness or what we think we do well. And then self-esteem is how you feel about that, right? Like Mm -hmm. this is how I see myself. And then this is how I esteem it. This is what I feel about it. I don't want us as parents to think that when your kid thinks that they are and this is—I mean—they all think this, but that they are the best mm-hmm. of any human. They are the prince. They are—they are not to be touched or whatever. That's not what we're talking about, mm-hmm. right? We're talking about I can sit back and step back and watch Joy Dr. Bell do her thing, and I still feel completely Holy. fine. My whole with myself. I don't yes. feel like Dr. Bell is taking anything from me. I don't think she's doing something that I should be doing. I don't have to bring her down. In fact, I can lift her up because I feel so whole and well. So what that looks like in little people, and again, there's exceptions to this, but if you ask me like over and over what I see, these are like the indicators, like when the first sneezes begin. The first is a gross sense of entitlement. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second is is chronic attention-seeking behaviors, right? So almost like they can't be unless they're garnering some kind of attention. And with children, it does not matter if it's positive attention or negative. And I know you know this, sometimes in classrooms with educators, when we're working with them, they'll say this child is continually, quote, acting up, right? Mm-hmm. And they think that means one thing, but what I know often as a therapist is they just want attention, mm-hmm. right? They, I just want you to see me. Now, remember, belonging is feeling seen. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have enough investment in you to know that you are always seen, right, you then act out, right? Mm-hmm you cause a commotion, right? Anytime anybody is drowning or they're lost in the woods, what do they do? They burn a flat, they put up a flag, right? They burn something on the beach. They put out something that says SOS. That's the same thing the children do. A lack of curiosity and wonderment. And so they're no longer like just Curious about things like ants and leaves and trees and wind. They're very serious. Like everything mm-hmm. has to make sense mm-hmm. because they already have a spoken agenda that has come to them from an external source. Right. So they're no longer allowed the freedom of like that's when adults get real grumpy, too, is when they use their curiosity and wonderment. Um, fearful, very fearful, mm. uh, bullying tendencies towards other children, easily influenced by anything external. Uh, they don't question it. They don't ask about it. They just follow it. Hypersensitive to correction um, because they can't separate the corrected behavior from the value of themselves, if that makes sense.
0: It does. Uh-huh.
1: Or accountability and then a gross lack of gratitude and thankfulness. That's
0: a lot. So when, as a parent... You have older kids now. I'm sort of um, in the teenage years. Yes. And there's so much, Mia, information coming in with all the different things with kids. And yeah. so, what would be your recommendation to parents if they say, well, "You know what? I, 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 think I've noticed some of those things." How would you then advise them to seek support?
1: Okay. I mean, that could be. We could do a whole nother We could. Okay, But what I will say about that, the first thing is to remember that just seeing each of those in and of itself is not the area of concern. That's an opportunity. That is time for conversation and learning and inquisitiveness and asking your child, tell me more about that choice of behavior. Because then you're making them complicit in the free part of being belonging is I have the ability to make choices, right? And I get to choose how I will behave. Right. And I don't blame it on an external source. I get to do it. So I would say engaging your children in those conversations, when those behaviors pop up, just like, tell me more about this. These are the concerns about this. This is what I want. But the first thing I would say to parents, even before that is check your own wellness,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, because it's hard to parent. It's hard for the perpetrator to correct the behavior. Can we just
0: take a, take a breath right there? Sorry. Yeah, that's, that's tough, right? Mia, that that's a tough conversation to have. Um, So keep going, keep going.
1: Because I want to say sometimes our preferences dictate how we parent. Mm -hmm. And then that's what interferes with their purpose, because Mm -hmm. we're working out our stuff through them. So we're changing lanes. It's like somebody on a cell phone while they're driving down the highway, right? You can't, they can't stay in their lane because they're looking at their preferences. So a parent has to really be honest. We spend a lot of time focusing on our kids going to inherit our money and what we're going to leave them. But we don't think about the fact how our wounding, our hurts, our hangups, our traumas are also given to our children if we're not aware of those. So the first thing I would say is start with yourself and just say, why do I think my child is behaving that way? They could be connected to me. It's not to blame and shame or indict, but just for clarity, right? And then um, I would say, make sure that you are a safe space for your child when you're creating a sense of belonging, what a safe space is. People use that terminology a lot now. But for me, that means that you are engaging in perspective taking. You have the ability to suspend judgment when they're telling you a story or sharing something with you. You are listening for understanding, not to respond or to correct all the time. Um, and you let them practice doing hard things. You do not put on that superhero cape. Hmm. Always go in to save them, because what that deals, it what that does is it builds confidence and confidence in them. You're always on the sidelines. You're always watching. You're not gonna, but you're letting them like struggle with the knot, right, in whatever situation that is. Before you come in um, and watch your language and your words in front of them about whose fault it is or whatever. And I just would say your positioning of your child impacts their perspective. And so it always, for me, goes back to the parent, uh, make your children contribute to things that are greater than themselves, Mm -hmm. right? To whether that's community or the world at large, help them identify ways that they can help or contribute when they see people are harmed or in trouble or in need. Uh, Because I will say this, we are in a really tough situation because if there's any social media in the world or in your home, what you're gonna hear all the time is, Cut people off and it's all about you. That doesn't give you a sense of belonging. Right. I'm just going to say that. Like, I, I understand some of that, but some of that is so unhelp, not helpful uh, and detrimental. And it
0: actually creates a sense of isolation, a feeling absolutely. of isolation that's just the opposite. So where absolutely. you're going to belong, you've really, there's a sense of just, you. now you're on the island by yourself because you, okay. you put everybody
1: off. That's it, Dr. Bill. That's exactly yeah. what i Saying So there's magic in, that's what I was saying. Sometimes we think what belonging means is we put them on this pedestal and we give them this image that they are the great, you know, prince or princess and they are God's gift to the world and that they're, you know, they're setting the lead. Well, when you feel that way, there's, I mean, I don't really serve any person, right? So when you're a prince or a princess, you have servants, right? I, I mean, my kids didn't get that memo. So they were <laughs> in the wrong house. So I'm just saying, so for that, but that doesn't mean that they don't have a sense of worthiness and value and confidence in themselves, but being something, being a part of something greater than yourself when you're little, and then that's a part of your life is one of the magic keys to belonging. I love it. Teach them how to forgive, teach them how to engage in humility, teach them how to serve, teach them how to be empathetic towards other people and to care. Um yeah, those are the things parents can do.
0: You know, this sense of belonging, and as you said, Mia, we can talk about this forever. There's so many branches to this belonging. You know, I'm very much a, a visual person, so there's like the center and then all the different prongs of belonging. But I think we've hit a lot of the key ones. For me, this sense of belonging is at the center of everything that I do in helping children. Um, as we said at the very beginning, I work with children with learning differences, but I- really work with all children. And I I think this is an important topic for us to to begin with. This is why I I started off with this topic and not another. And so if there's something that we've shared today in in our exchange, um, or that Mia shared, or that sort of, this is like an aha moment, just take it as a a data point for you. Um, Take it as an opportunity for you to have a conversation. You know, Mia knows me very well. And generally, if there's information coming in, I'm like, I'm on it. Like, I'm like, okay, let's, let's take this day and let's turn this around. I'm just, it's just too much. Um, and I'm learning how to just take information in, yes. you see, she's laughing at me because she understands me um, as, as a data point, an opportunity to have really great conversations with our children, because at the end of the day, um, that's, that's, that's what we have, right? You know, I've learned a lot about Mia's phenomenal uh, uh, adults that she's, her, she and her husband have curated um, in this beautiful way. And it's just, it's such a beautiful thing to be able to see them towards the, at the end, you know, but at, when you're at the beginning and you're like me and you're they're teenagers or they're five, you just can't see that this is a long road. This is a long road. There's no, there's, it's a long way ahead. And they're going to become the humans that they were cre- designed to be, uh, regardless of how we try to shape them. Yes, we give them opportunities. Yes. yes, we give them all sorts of different things. And we, we, we put them in in soil that will help them to grow in the best way possible. But at the end of the day, um, they're their own humans, right? So this is just an opportunity for us to give them, uh, have conversations with them about belonging, or if we have concerns to, to take this as a data point. So Mia, thank you so much, but you're not getting off this easily.
1: Oh, okay. It was and my honor. I, I think, I mean, I, you know, I'm here for this conversation. I just want people to be clear about belonging. It doesn't mean that they're the center of the world, right? It just means they, they can identify their purpose over time. And it's not perfection. Like yes. you said, I had the same teenagers as everybody else. The same, like or one of us is not going to make it. Like we have a lot of conversations like that, right? Somebody's going to have to leave. <laughs> but way, now that they're young adults and they are still not fully done, right? Like we're never fully done ever. I'm not fully done. I do see the evidence of some of those things. Um, And it has nothing to do with how they are with me. It has to do when they've turned, how they are within the context of the greater world. And there's where I think, okay, maybe something, maybe something, we did a little something, right? Or we created, like you said, the soil for a little something.
0: Oh, I love that. And Mia, you didn't even realize this, but I'm gonna do a little plug, and then I'm gonna ask you a couple of questions that you didn't have, Mia Embro. Mia um, said that we're not done, um, and you guys know, as, as you've seen some of the things that I'm doing. My my little my little saying is that we're not they're not fully cooked, um, and it, the research tells us again that it takes they're tw- until they're 26, all those executive functioning, frontal lobe, different things like that. And so I have a parent workshop called "Not Fully Cooked," and I would love to help you um, navigate all. Of those different spaces. So go to my website, grayspaceconsulting.com. If you want more information or if you're on LinkedIn, DM me, um, or you can also email me at grayspaceconsulting at gmail.com. So here we go. You ready, Mia and I'm ready. Okay. What is your superpower? I feel people. You feel people. Yes. you, you are. Before I, Before I see people,
1: sure. I can't even really tell you what people look like sometimes, but I, I, I feel them. I feel their worries and all of that. I feel people.
0: Yes, you do. I can attest to that. The world needs more love, more love. I believe in God. And the thing that matters most to me is
1: making, making space for others where people feel connected. I think I never want to look back on my life and think it was just about me. I want to leave like where people felt like when I was with her or around her, she saw me. And so that's it.
0: Mia, you know you're coming back. Um, And so it's just a matter of time before the Grace Space audience, the LinkedIn audience, the YouTube audience, all of them get to see you again. You are a dear friend. And I have enjoyed, as I knew I would, enjoy this conversation with you about, about about belonging. And so thank you.
1: Thank you, Dr. Bell. This is the very thing you're doing. Like, that's what the Gray Space is. I, you know this, I call mine the porch, right? I was like, if you could just get to the porch Mm -hmm. and have time to turn up your shoe and see what's on that, which you've been carrying around that you can now clean off and let go. And I just think Gray Space is just more of that. So thank you for having me and thank you for what you're creating, you're creating belonging. And that is, that is rare and that is special. So thank you, Dr. Bell.
0: Mia Embro, will you give your website um, as well, so that they'll have that if they're interested in uh, learning more about who you are and what you do?
1: Absolutely, it's not hard. I mean, so this is not this humble. I mean, is there such a thing as an humble brag? But there's not another Mia Embro. There's not in the world, period, and I mean that literally. Like I don't mean like me, but the name. So it is Mia Embro, and the last name is spelled M B R O H dot com, and that's it. I mean, you're, you're. I mean, unless somebody hacks it it's going to be me. So.
0: No, there's, there's really not. I've not seen another. I mean, I've seen a Jenny Smith. Um, I've seen, no, you know, there's G- not a, they're they're probably Joy, there. you know, Joy Bell, the two, but, you know, but Mia Embro is a unique name. So you can thank uh, your, your husband for that last name. Mia Embro, thank you so much. Take care. An honor. Until Take we see care, each other everybody.
1: again. Bye, Dr. Bell.